You're listening to the Washington Weekly Review. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kaylin McCain. It's the week of June 25, 2022. Our local stories this week feature Deidre Desir, an election recount, and young COVID-19 vaccinations. But first, the big picture. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources recommended against swimming at Lake Darling State Park near Brighton earlier this month. Water testing revealed dangerous levels of E. coli. The warning ended this week, but marked the third consecutive summer of swimming advisories at the lake. Iowa Environmental Council Water Program Director Ingrid Gronstall said the trend was common but concerning. E. coli, uh, very importantly, is also an indicator of other pathogens that could be present. So instead of testing for, you know, a broad array of various pathogens, there's a correlation between E. coli being present and other pathogens being present. So If E. coli is present in these high amounts, it's also likely that other harmful pathogens could be present as well. And that's another reason why they um, put out the advisory. It's not normal, but I think it has been normalized in the state. So I would say Lake Darling is not alone, but that doesn't that doesn't mean it's it's okay. That doesn't mean it should be normal. This is a this is a problem that's happening across the state. Uh, and largely because of nutrient pollution across the state. Park manager Nick Young said the issue was on the radar, but solutions were out of reach. We don't do anything specifically day-to-day to change the water quality. That's kind of one of those things. It's a, it's a grand project. As a park manager, I, I would like to have better water quality, but I know that that's a very, very difficult task than just simply, hey, we can do this and make it better. The lake underwent $12 million worth of renovations in 2014, about half of it dedicated to conservation issues. DNR Lake Restoration Program Coordinator George Antonio said trends didn't discount those efforts. You know, definitely Lake Darling has is is a lake that will have times throughout the year where, where it's suggested not to swim. You know, not necessarily would say that that means that some of the conservation practices are not working. I think a lot of those that were put on the landscape, you know, back uh, in the early t- 2000s all the way to about 2014 is as part of kind of the more significant effort there are still um, a lot of those are on the landscape and still working the way they should. Um, I I feel like we we had a lot of success with a lot of the conservation practices that were put on the ground. Um, We have about an 80% adoption rate, if I remember correctly, with, uh, with landowners in that watershed and over 160 conservation practices, anything from grass waterways to terraces, Um, to sediment ponds. And so a lot of those things uh, did go a long way in terms of of slowing water down and keeping water on the landscape longer and and decreasing um, sediment delivery to the lake. Antonio said some measures of water quality gave reasons to be optimistic. So we we track um, water clarity um, as a measure. You know, post-restoration, we saw a big improvement in, in water clarity, and, and that's indicative of a less cloudiness in the water, which, which would um, support that either from a sedimentation or a nutrient perspective that, that the lake is showing more positive signs. And that, that um, metric, somewhat stable, it, uh, bigger improvements post-restoration, uh, maybe tracking a little bit now towards pre-restoration levels, but but still still showing uh, an improvement. That's the big picture. Stay tuned for the local news after the break. Todd Hahn Construction is an award-winning custom home builder with a 28-year history in the greater Iowa City area. Hahn's goal is to build you the finest quality custom home while providing you with a positive experience along the way. It's one of the many reasons they've been named the Iowa City Area Home Builder of the Year time and time again. 
A custom home is more than just a house. It's the culmination of a dream and years of hard work. Todd Hahn Construction makes that dream come true by always putting you, the customer, first. For more information, go to toddhahnconstruction.com. That's T-O-D-D-H-A-H-N construction.com. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Deidre Desir visited Washington late last week. The candidate said she would strive to find common ground if elected. We need a governor that's willing to put people first, not a headline, not politics, and not her political future. Because that is what I intend to do, is serve each and every one of you, and the ones that aren't in the room. I know there's some folks on the other side that you all aren't quite fond of, but guess what? I'm going to be their governor, too. Just as we expect her to see us, y'all should expect me to see them, too, because this the solutions that we're talking about, folks, are not going to be resolved on my back and my back alone. It's going to take all of us. And we know we've got some Republicans on the other side with good sense. It's a theme of her campaign. Iowa Democratic Party Chair Ross Wilburn said it made stops in conservative areas like Washington County important. Deidre DeGere wants to be governor, and she wants to be the governor for all Iowans, not just the wealthy, a uh, few wealthy and corporations like Kim Reynolds. So uh, Democrats up and down the ticket are going to put people before policy, and that's that's why we're here, and it's important for us to, to hear the stories in rural Iowa, and Democrats want to hear it across the ticket. Dejir faces an uphill battle for votes in November, according to poll numbers and campaign fundraising. She said meeting people face-to-face was key to bridging that gap. Well, you know, I'm of the minds that we have to meet people where they are all over the state, and we are wrapping up the first swing of our 99-county tour for this election cycle. We're going to start another one in a, in, a, in a few weeks, but we've got to go to every county and connect with folks because over the last 26 months or so, we've been cooped up, lonely, not connected with each other, and in order for us to remind ourselves of what we're capable of, it takes meeting people physically, and that's what we're doing. By connecting the people, that's how we shrink those margins, um, and we can't do enough of that. On Tuesday, Washington County held an administrative recount of primary election absentee and supervisor race ballots. The process found identical results to those canvassed by county supervisors last week. County Auditor Dan Widmer said it was important to err on the side of caution. I emphasize the error was caught and corrected prior to you gentlemen canvassing the election last week. However, we want to err on the side of being conservative and so uh, and just to uh, eliminate as much doubt or caution or concern rather that people might have, uh, we would like to uh, conduct a uh, administrative recount. Washington County health officials disagreed over COVID-19 vaccines for young children at their monthly meeting on Thursday. The shots were authorized last week by the FDA and recommended by the CDC for children six months and older. Board member Jack Seward Jr. said the county should hold off on offering them to young children. I know there's at least one state in the country that is not participating, and I think you mentioned this morning that there was uh, other counties and other places in the state that are not offering it. I don't know if it's proper right now, but I, I would not like to see us participate because of some of the other studies that have come through that say there is uh, very little uh, risk to the younger children. It hasn't been studied. We don't know what the long-term effects are, and it has happened in the past that CDC, FDA, whoever else has 
unauthorized stuff that's been studied for a while, and then we find out, no, that wasn't a good idea. Board member Christopher Greer agreed. I'm certainly concerned about the safety of these sorts of things and certainly concerned about what data we get and what data we don't get as a public. And I, I think that with this brand new technology and certainly something that's uh, has not had nearly enough time to be studied from a true biological basic science standpoint on what it does to the human body, let alone the clinical trials necessary to see what it does to human health. Public Health Director Emily Tokheim said she was confident in the data supporting the shots. The other counties that I've spoke with, it's just because they're staff time. They just are short-staffed. They don't, um, they don't have the time. Kiddos, like I said, that's a whole different... Um, you know, kids are different when you're vaccinating a yeah, young kid right. versus an older adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the conversations I've had, it's more just for their staff resources that they have chosen not to. Yeah. Um, from everything I've seen, these these vaccines for these young kiddos um, are, are safe as far as the studies have been so far. Um, we've done a lot of our own research and a lot of, um, you know, Carrie's been monitoring all of the information that's come out very closely, as have I. Um, and we, we already vaccinate young kiddos through our VFC program. And so, um, our nurses that are involved in that are very competent mm-hmm. and comfortable, um, involved, you know, being involved with young kiddos. Right. Director of nursing, Carrie Fisher said health administrations had an obligation to provide the vaccines. We're a public, public health agency and whether we personally agree or disagree, um, Our job is to educate the public, educate ourselves, and provide the offering for people in the public then to make their own choices and decisions. Um, I don't think that it's proper to strongly pressure or advocate on any kind of medical treatment. But I do think that it's proper in a public health venue to provide the education and the platform to receive the treatment that people want. Board member Dr. Trevor Martin agreed, saying providing the vaccines was distinct from endorsing them. So I think there are some parents out there that are going to get it right away, and they've they've looked at this, they've kind of weighed benefits and risks, and they want to opt in for their child. So I do think that we should be an avenue that provides it. Um, I don't think we have to tell people, you know, you absolutely have to do this. I, I do think the current... Um, vaccines are not as effective as they were initially because of the changes in strains. But that doesn't mean there's no benefit there. Um, but no treatment is without risk, right? So they have to know there's potential risks. They have to weigh that with the benefit. That's something they can decide with their provider. Um, they can also have that discussion, you know, in the vaccine clinic if that's something that um, uh, they want to discuss. Um, I, I think it should be an option as a public health agency. Um, but again, you know, I think there's two sides to this story. I don't think we need to, um, you know, force anybody to do anything, but I think we make it an option. That's the local news. Stick around for the best news I've heard all week, right after this. Hi. This message spot remains open. If you're interested in getting your message out to our listeners, let us know by calling 319-653-2191. We'll take advertisements, birthday wishes, anniversary announcements, and anything else you'd like to share in 150 words or less. We appreciate any support.
Fans of Star Trek are flocking to Riverside this weekend for Trek Fest. The town claims it's the future birthplace of the franchise's first main character, Captain James T. Kirk. Trek Fest 37 chairperson Travis Riggin said the annual event was rebounding from smaller recent years. With our band lineup, our signature beer release, um, celebrities that we're bringing in, I, I think that Riverside will be the place to be this weekend. We're, we're in a really good place going forward, and I think Trek Fest is in a safe place and we're growing and it's something that's going to be here for the long run it's not something that in the past couple years that we might have said it's kind of dying off um i think that we're here we're here to stay um and we're here to entertain so that's that's the goal this weekend thanks for tuning in This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by the Gazette. Call 319-653-2191 to get a message on the show. Also, we launched a new video program this week called Washington Live. Check it out on Facebook. That's all for now. This has been the Washington Weekly Review, and I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great week.